0: Welcome, welcome. How is everyone? Are you on the right team? All right, just checking, just checking. I don't know about you, but I'm pretty competitive, and uh, I want to know that I'm on the right team. And uh, thank the Lord in Jesus, we are on the right team. And uh, anybody else competitive out there? Just a little bit competitive? We play a game in our family, it's called Right, Left, Center. Anybody ever heard of Right, Left, Center. It's a highly competitive game in our house. So you've, you know, you're doing this thing around the table and people get, they show their true colors when they're playing right, left, center. I'm, I'm usually composed, but the rest of the people around the table, not so much, not so much. Welcome back. <laughs> Welcome back. Hey, we're gonna finish up in Daniel chapter seven today. So go ahead and open up your Bible there. And uh, so it's Daniel seven, part two, and it's, are you on the right team part two. And so we're going to be uh, teaching through that. We taught through um, kind of two separate sections of Daniel chapter seven last week. And so we're going to go back and teach the sections that we didn't teach this week. As I prep for this weekend, um, there was no possible way. Thank you, Linda. There was no possible way that I was going to get through effectively and thoroughly all of chapter seven in one week. It just was not going to happen. So I'm really glad that we've Brought it into this week as well. It's gonna be really, really good. So Daniel uh, chapter seven, are, we on, are you on the right team part two. Um, so last week we covered Daniel's dream. Remember his dream? You guys don't remember his dream? Daniel had a dream. <laughs> Daniel said, I have a dream. Was that Daniel. Okay, good, good. I'm just making sure we're on the same page here. <laughs> Who was that? Who said that? Okay, good, good. I'm just making sure we're all awake this morning. so so we we covered Daniel's dream. He had a dream, and then we covered the interpretation of the dream. so that's what we covered last week. Um, this week we'll be in Daniel chapter seven verses nine through fourteen, and then we'll jump down to verses twenty five through twenty eight so we're kind of taking a section in the middle and section at the end, but Go back and watch last week's message and uh, put that together with this week's message and um, you'll have the whole of Daniel chapter seven and then we've got just a handful more chapters before we're done with uh, Daniel and then we'll jump into Revelation, Lord willing. I know I've said that for a very, 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 very long time but we're actually gonna get there eventually. So Uh, with that, I feel like we should pray. So let's pray, Lord. We pray and we invite you. We're thankful, God, for your word. God, we're thankful that um, what you've given us a written document, inspired, filled with power and grace and truth, God, a message that will transform our lives if we allow it, Lord God, if we just avail ourselves to the truth of the Word of God in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, the full counsel of God's Word, if we'll just avail ourselves to it, Lord God, it will will transform our lives in Jesus' name. So I pray, God, that we would give it room to do that in our lives, God, that we'd give it a place in our lives so that it can transform every area of our lives, Lord God. We need you, Lord God, and we're so thankful, God, that you're here with us to help us to understand the word, and not just to understand it, but to apply it, to live it, to enjoy it, and to experience it on a first-hand basis. So Lord, we thank you so much. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your, your kindness in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. So it was Thursday about noon, and um, I'm typing away on the message. And I don't know if you've ever done this, but typing away the message in the message in and my Word doc just goes blank. <laughs> it, it reminded me of college when I was in college. I was right in the middle of writing a paper and an um, old clunky computer, and my Word doc went blank there. It was Word or something, but the, I lost the whole thing. And so I broke into this cold sweat and uh, my stomach started to hurt and immediately I'm like I can't believe this is happening to me again I've got so many hours into this message and I don't want to start over so Lord please help me and so I called my my son Curtis and I'm like Curtis this is what's happened I was typing and my word doc went blank and he's like well did you try command z I'm like what does command z do <laughs> he's like it will undo what you've done so just keep hitting command z did anybody know that now you know. <laughs> like I wish I would have known back in college. Like it probably didn't have Command Z back in college, but but it would have been really really helpful. So I'm hitting Command Z, and it's undoing it's this blank document. I begin to see uh, letters pop up, <laughs> and more letters pop up, and then all of a sudden my whole document's there. The whole sermon's there. I'm like thank you, Lord. I was so happy and so relieved. I I let Curtis know that it worked. And then I had to go next door and talk to my daughter because I just had to tell somebody. I'm like, Caitlin, you're not going to believe what happened. But I I thought I was going to have to start all over with this message. And I just hit command Z over and over again. (laughs) Wouldn't it be amazing if there was a command Z in our personal lives? Like we could undo some things. (laughs) Well, thank God in Christ Jesus, we get a we get things redone. We get to undo some things by his power and his grace. And he takes what the, the enemy has meant for evil and he turns it around for good. He, he restores what the locusts have eaten. Command Z. <laughs> Pretty awesome. So when you're in a bad place in your life and you just feel like you'd like to, a do-over, <laughs> say, Lord, I need a command Z. I need a do-over. I need a do-over in my life. And, and I promise you that as you seek the Lord in that way, he is faithful to give us that do-over. His grace is sufficient. His grace is sufficient. None of this was in my message <laughs> for this morning. <laughs> but as I was sharing the command of Z, I thought, there's something to this, right? We all need it in our lives, right? We're all broken, <laughs> and we need a do-over. We need, like, things to be undone in our lives. Messes that we've made, we need them fixed in our lives. And so as we open up the word of God every week and throughout the week, man, God reveals to us truth about his, his gracious and kind nature. He is so good to us, so faithful and so kind. And I don't know about you, but most, most weeks I need some kind of command Z do over. And God has never, he's never said no to that. He's always been faithful to give me an opportunity to start over and so when i lost that message and my stomach started hurting and i was breaking out into cold sweat i just cried out to the lord and man he heard and he answered and uh god's been faithful he's, he's done that my whole life and man he's he'll do that your whole life as well if you just keep turning to him keep turning to him thank you lord so we're going to read through Daniel chapter seven verses nine through fourteen. We read the whole chapter last week, and uh, but we're going to unpack it. How many need, need me to read read this section again? Like like, let's do it, right? Let's let's read it. And so we'll read Daniel seven nine through fourteen. We'll try to unpack that a little bit, and then we'll be in Daniel chapter seven verses twenty five through twenty eight, and then we'll pack that uh, wrap kind of pack that unpack that a little bit, and then we'll wrap up the day. Sounds good. Daniel seven nine through fourteen. As I looked. Daniel's vision, right? As I looked, thrones were placed and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was white as snow and the hair of his head like pure wool. His throne his throne was fiery flames. Its wheels were burning fire. A stream of fire issued and came out from before him. A thousand thousands, <laughs> a thousand thousands served him, and 10,000 times 10,000 stood before him. The court sat in judgment, and the books were open. Verse 11, I looked then because of the sound of the great words that the horn was speaking. The horn is the Antichrist. We talked about that last week. And as I looked, the beast, the Antichrist, was killed, and it's body destroyed and given over to be burned with fire. As for the rest of the beasts, their dominion was taken away, but their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. Verse 13, I I saw in the night visions and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man and he came to the ancient of days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His, his dominion, is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away and his kingdom, one that shall not be destroyed. Daniel 7, 9 through 14. So we're getting a picture of heaven here. Daniel's got a a vision of heaven. And as we unpack this, we're gonna see that the apostle John got a vision of heaven and he recorded it in the book of Revelation. And so we're gonna kind of compare the visions and see that there's a lot lot of similarities there. In our opening verses, they tell us that Daniel saw in his vision, he saw things in his vision. He saw something in his vision. And the first thing that he saw was he saw thrones why are there thrones in heaven? I mean, we can stop and realize that God's on a throne and so we can understand that there is a throne in heaven, but why are there thrones in heaven? Well, we see in John's vision in Revelation 4 that he too saw thrones. And what you'll see when you study the Bible in the Old and the New Testament, when we understand it in the context as it is written, we'll see that there's there's the the Old Old Testament informs the New Testament. The New Testament is a fulfillment of the Old Testament. We see that they agree (laughs) that there there are literally no contradictions in the word of God, that the word of God is true through and through. So this is what John saw in Revelation 4, verses one through five. After this, I looked and behold, a door standing open in heaven. (laughs) So what is he seeing He's seeing a door in heaven. So he's seeing what's going on in heaven. And the first voice which I had heard speaking to me uh, like a trumpet said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the spirit, and behold, a throne stood in heaven with one seated on the throne. And he who sat there had the appearance of Jasper and Carnelian. And around the throne was a rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald. Verse four, around the throne were 24 thrones. (laughs) And seated on the thrones were 24 elders clothed in white garments with golden crowns on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning and rumblings. Those rumblings were like voices or sounds. There, were, there was all kinds of rumblings happening. There came flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder. And before the throne were burning seven torches of fire, which are the seven spirits of God. And we'll unpack that when we get into Revelation later on. So the th- thrones in heaven belong to God and to the twenty. 20- For elders. Thrones are for kings and for rulers. And so we're kind of getting a picture of what is going on in heaven in Daniel's revelation and uh, our vision and in John's as well. So Daniel saw thrones, but he also saw the Ancient of Days. Now, who is the Ancient of Days? Take a guess. (laughs) Okay, good. God is the Ancient of Days. Of days. Our God, the eternal God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, he is the ancient of days. Daniel, I believe, is the only writer of scripture who refers to God in this way. And Daniel refers to God as the ancient of days three times in Daniel 7.9, 7.13, and 7.22. Why do we call God ancient days? of days. If you notice as you go through scripture, God's got many different names. He's Jehovah Jireh. He's Jehovah Nisi. He's got so many different names that speak of his character and speak of who he is. There's not one name that sums it all up. And so in the scripture, we're given many names for the one true God. So why do we call God ancient of days? Well, this is a way of describing God's Forever presence, he is timeless because he exists outside of time. He is forever God. There was was never a time in which God didn't exist and there was never a time in which God was not God. God is our forever God. He is alpha and omega, the beginning and the end. This is why I keep asking you, are you on the right team? Because there is God, and then there is everything else. There is God's team, and then there's the enemy's team. If you're not on God's team, you are on the enemy's team. And so that's why we drill down on this very clearly, because we want you to know there's one way to the Father, and that's through Jesus Christ the Lord. The road to destruction is wide, and many are on that path, but the road to life is narrow, and few find their way there. So are are you on the right team. You need to be sure in your soul and your heart that you are on the team that, that is the winning team who is Christ the Lord. He is Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. He existed before, listen, he existed before there was a beginning. <laughs> before there was time, before there was a beginning, before anything was created, God. He's not created, he is the creator. He is the sustainer of all things. One person described it. God is a firsthand spectator to the past, present, and future. A <laughs> first, first person spectator in the past, present, and future. Moses declared and described God in this way. In Deuteronomy 4:39. 39. Know therefore today and lay it to your heart that the Lord is God in heaven above, uh, Lord of heaven above and on earth beneath, there is no other. Let me read that again because I got to mess it up. Know therefore today and lay it to your heart that the Lord is God of, in heaven above and on the earth beneath, there is there is no other. There's one God. And then there are many false gods. There's one God. God is the Ancient of Days. Are you on his team? (laughs) If you're not on his team, I'm gonna help you get there at the end of the message. (laughs) Like, I want you on the team, right? I want you to win. I want you to be uh, experiencing salvation in Christ Jesus. So Daniel saw thrones. Daniel also saw the Ancient of Days, and Daniel saw fire. In the opening Verses there that we read, there's a lot of fire being described in Daniel's vision. His throne was fiery flames, its wheels were burning fire. A stream of fire issued and came out from before him. Daniel saw fire in his vision of heaven. The apostle John also saw fire in his vision of heaven. The Bible is consistent from start to. To finish, from old and new. What does fire represent in the Bible? Fire represents all kinds of stuff. Throw something out. What is it? Purify, purification. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. what else? Judgment. What? Judgment. Judgment, good. What else? Cleansing. Cleansing, good. You guys are hitting most of my list. <laughs> That's awesome. I wrote the Holy Spirit, wrath, purification, what about testing, right? Testing, destruction, holiness, God's presence, and judgment. So this fire that we're seeing in heaven around the throne of God, coming out from the throne of God, represents uh, all kinds of parts of God's character, his judgment. It represents the the third person of the Trinity, the, the Holy Spirit, purification, cleansing, testing, all of these things that we experience as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, if we're in Christ, Jesus took our judgment, we will pass from death to life and we will not receive the great white throne judgment that we'll be reading about in Revelation. But we will still be judged. We'll stand before the Lord and our lives will be judged. God will, in fact, we're gonna open up some passages of scripture here in a moment that talk about how, Everybody's got a book with their name on it and with their activity recorded in it. I don't wanna get ahead of myself, but it's gonna be very good to read about that. What what else did Daniel see? He saw a multitude serving God. (laughs) Verse 10 tells us that a thousand thousands served him. What is a thousand times a thousand? A million, right? So we're talking about at least a million. But then it says 10,000 times 10,000 stood before him. What is 10,000 times 10,000? 100 million, right? Like there is multiple millions of people before the throne standing before him, honoring him, worshiping and serving him. And so we get to experience that here in this life, in this earth, when God saves us and calls us into his kingdom, into his kingdom, army, into his armed forces that we might serve and follow him. We get to join with those who have gone before us and with those who will join after us. And we get to, we get to be a part of this multi, multi, multiple millions of people who are gathered around God's throne. In Revelation 5, John describes the same thing concerning the multitudes that stood before the throne. What were they doing? They were worshiping God. Revelation 5 says, then I looked And I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders, the voice of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands. So there's people and there's angels, myriads and myriads. You know what myriads means? A lot, like more and more. It just means a lot. Myriads and myriads of thousands saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessings. We will say that when we get there and we, we should be saying it now. I mean, let's like warm up, like understand what we're going to be saying in heaven and let's do it now because we worship the Lord when we declare these things about him. Worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessings. In verse 13, Revelation five says, "'And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth "'and under the earth and in the sea, "'and all that was in them saying, "'To him who sits on the throne and to the lamb, "'be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever.'" And the four living creatures said, amen, and the elders fell down and worshiped. (laughs) Man, if you have a hard time worshiping now, (laughs) I, I suggest you figure it out, man worshiping is just saying, God, I am broken before you. I'm desperate for you. I love you, Lord. I'm thankful that you love me. It's just about being honest with the Lord in your adoration through song and just your words in your countenance before the Lord and your posture before God. It's a posture of gratitude and appreciation. It's a posture of worship that says, God, you are God and I am not. You are faithful in the midst of my unfaithfulness. You You rescued me and saved me and you continue to rescue me and save me. By your grace, I am saved. I am saved because you're good, not because I'm good. And so we we need to kind of get that into our daily activity, like worshiping God, like as we're driving down the road, like worshiping Jesus, thanking him for what he's done. As, as we're uh, just enjoying life or struggling through life, whatever it is, we need to stop and just worship Jesus. It will change your mind about things. It will change your countenance. It will give you a fresh perspective and it'll give you strength and faith to move on. That's what's going on in heaven. You're gonna be a part of that if you're on the right team. <laughs> Are you on the right team? Are you sure? Yes. So if God, you know, you stand before the Lord in heaven and you, you know, you're dead. And uh, <laughs> it, it, one woman says, you know, when I'm off the dance floor, which means, you know, when I'm dead, she'll say, well, you know, when I'm off the dance floor and you're doing my memorial service, I'm like, I don't want to talk about when you're off the, off the dance floor, but she, everybody's going to be off the dance floor eventually, right? So Once you're off the dance floor and you're standing before the Lord and he says, why should I let you in? What are you gonna say? Yeah, that's all you can say. Anything else is the wrong answer. (laughs) I'm coming in because you made a way, Jesus. That's it. And I'm coming in because you're good, not because I'm good. Worship, adoration, praise is what will be going on forever and ever. It's going on now. It will be going on forever and ever and ever. Back to Daniel 7, what else did Daniel see? And in verse 10, Daniel 7, Daniel saw the court sitting in judgment and the books were opened. So what does fire represent? One of the words? Judgment, judgment. all right? So judgment <laughs> is what we're talking about next. God is a judge. He is a just judge. In every person's life, will be judged. Nobody wants to hear that, but it is the reality and it is the truth. A perfect, just, wonderful God will judge your life. Every person's life will be judged. Every person has a book with their name on it. <laughs> How big must the library in heaven be, right? <laughs> I mean, like <laughs> pretty, pretty impressive, better than any presidential library that I've ever seen, right? Malachi 3, 16 through 18 says this. Then those who feared the Lord spoke with one another. The Lord paid attention and heard them. And a book of remembrance was written before him of those who feared the Lord and esteemed his name. they shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts, in the day when I make my treasured possessions, when I make up my treasured possessions, and I will spare them as a, Man spares his son who serves him. Then once more you shall see the distinction. Hear this. Then once more you shall see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked, between one who serves God and one who does not serve him. So do we see the two camps, the two teams, those who serve God and everybody else? There are two teams Are you on the right team? Revelation 20, verse 11 through 15 talks about uh, this as well. John wrote, then I saw a great white throne. You do not want to be a part of that. This is an unbelievers judgment for those who do not believe. Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it from his presence, earth and sky fled away They had done, then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. So your life will be judged, my life will be judged. What did you do with your life? How we live our lives, What we do with our lives, it's an indication of our faith, whether we've put it in Christ or not. Because if we put our our faith in Christ, then we know that we've been saved by grace through faith. It has nothing to do with our own good works, Ephesians 2, 8, 9. And then we live the rest of our lives as servants of the Lord God for his glory, for his purpose, to satisfying his desire for our lives. But if we haven't trusted Jesus then somewhere along the line, we're trying to figure out how to, you know, please this, maybe this unknown God we're trying to figure out how to get on his good side, maybe do more good works than we've done bad works and somehow balance the scales. Listen, the only person who can balance the scales is Jesus. And if we trust him, he balances the scales and gives us grace and welcomes us into eternal life. Back to Daniel 7, 11, And I looked, I looked then because of the sound of the great words that the horn was speaking. And as I looked, the beast was killed. The Antichrist is also called the beast. The beast was killed and its body destroyed and given over to be burned with fire. The horn, the beast, the Antichrist, they're all the same thing. The horn that speaks boastfully, the Antichrist, also called the beast, is judged. As for the rest of the beasts... Remember the, the kingdoms, the beasts that we talked about last week, they represent kingdoms, uh, Babylon, Persia, Greece, and Rome. Godless cultures down throughout history. And so this is an interesting verse. In verse 12 it says, as for the rest of the beasts, their dominion was taken away, but their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. I didn't understand what that first meant. And so I went looking. And theologian John F. Wolverd wrote this. Verse 12 is saying that the Babylonian, Medo-Persian, and Greek empires were to some extent continued in their successors, um, that is, Gentile powers, shifted as to rulership, but continued more or less in the same pattern. Thus, the statement, their dominion was taken away, but their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. So he's... What's being said here is that those kingdoms were preserved. They they were just basically passed from one godless generation, one godless kingdom to the next until Jesus. By contrast, at the second coming of Christ, the fourth empire is destroyed and a totally different kingdom from heaven succeeds it. Jesus, the king, is king of that kingdom. Remember the vision in chapter 2? of Daniel, Daniel 2, 44 through 45. And in the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed, nor shall the kingdom be left to another people. It shall break in pieces all these kingdoms and bring them to an end, and it shall stand forever. Just as you saw that a stone was cut from a mountain by no human hands, and that it broke in pieces the iron, the bronze, the clay, and the silver, and gold. A great God has made known to the king what shall be after this. This dream is certain, and its interpretation, sure. So what's that big stone that was cut from a mountain, not by human hands? Who is our rock? Christ the Lord, right? So Jesus is what we call our cornerstone. He's the firm cornerstone that holds the whole building together and that the rest of the building is measured off of. He is the cornerstone. He is the stone that the builders rejected that we read about in scripture. He is the stone that causes people to stumble. Acts 4, 11 and 12 says this, this Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. So Jesus is gonna come and destroy every previous kingdom and will set up and establish an eternal kingdom that will stand forever and ever, amen. This is the future that is unfolding for Jesus. He came as a child, as a, 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 a baby born of a woman, a virgin and allowed himself to be die, uh, to be crucified and die so he came as a lamb as a sacrificial lamb to take away the sins of the world but he is he has always been the king of kings and the lord of lords and he is coming back as the king of kings and the lord of lords he is the king currently and he will be king forever are you on the right team Verse 13, I saw in the night visions, as Daniel continues to see his vision, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man, and he came to the ancient of days and was presented before him. And to him, the son of man was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, Nations and languages should serve him. This is the end game. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away in his kingdom, one that shall not be destroyed. Are you on the right team? It's important that we make sure that we're on the right team, but then also that we make sure that people within our sphere of influence are on the right team. It matters how we live our lives. It matters that we are salt and light in the earth because that is the reason, that is the primary, maybe (laughs) that is the reason that we're here. Otherwise we get saved and get snatched, right? We get taken up, but we're, we're saved and we're not taken up. We're not snatched. We're not, we're left here to be salt and light, to do what Jesus told the First church, the early disciples, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's what you're here to do, (laughs) to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's what you're here to do. That's what I'm here to do. That's what we're all here to do. If we didn't have that job to do, God would just snatch us up. But he's enlisted us into his army. Let's drop down to verses 25 through 28 as we close. He, the Antichrist, shall speak words against the Most High. Listen, there's a lack of the fear of the Lord in this Antichrist, this man. And there's a lack of the fear of the Lord in our culture. There's a lack of the fear of the Lord in our pews among the people in our churches. When we lack the fear of the Lord, we ignore what he has called us to do. When we lack the fear of the Lord, we ignore what his word has clearly uh, just depicted and communicated to us. When we lack a fear of the Lord, we do essentially whatever we wanna do and then we show up at church on Sunday. Listen, if we lack the fear of the Lord, we're gonna miss what God's plan for our life was meant to be. We're gonna miss it if we don't wake up every day and say, God, I'm yours and I'm here to serve you, I'm gonna give my life to you. God, whatever you wanna do with me and through me, that is what my goal is for the day. If we don't do that, then we're missing out on what God's plan for our life is. We are called to be salt and light in the earth. There's a, there's a lack. This Antichrist, he didn't fear God. And I'm afraid in our churches that we're not fearing God and the result is that we're being disobedient and we're being ungrateful and we're being unresponsive We're not doing the stuff that God has called us to do. The Antichrist shall speak words against the Most High. He shall wear out the saints of the Most High and he shall think to change the times and the law and this shall be given into his hand for a time, times and a half a time. There there are some who call themselves Christians who are speaking out against God. The, The vessel. The the clay pots telling the potter what to do. Or the created telling the creator, trying to inform the creator. It's so backwards. We we are so arrogant in our perspective as we pray and as we turn to God and as we look to him, we're so arrogant sometimes. We're telling God what he should be doing with our lives. We're telling the creator and the sustainer of the universe how it should be. We are arrogant in our perspective and we're missing out on allowing God to lead us and guide us and to direct us in our lives. We're acting like the antichrist in in ways that we're responding or not responding to God. We hear him speak through his word and we dismiss it. We sense the leading of the Holy Spirit in our lives and we ignore it or we don't even make time in our lives for God to speak to us and to minister to us and to guide us and to to direct us. We're just about our own business. Jesus was here about his father's business and it didn't matter what God required of him. He was all in, in the garden of Gethsemane. He asked, but if there's any way, before he went to the cross, Father, if there's any way that this cup can pass from me, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. And he was, Sweating, as it were, droplets of blood. He was so stressed out in his humanness about what was coming. And often when we're up against hard stuff and we don't understand what God requires of us or why he requires of us, we harden our hearts and we turn our backs and we get mad at God. And we miss. (laughs) We miss out on the Lordship of Jesus Christ. We miss out on understanding our calling and our purpose in this life and we, we just live our lives for temporal things. We, we miss out on the, the calling of God upon our lives to, to do what he's asked us to do and to follow and to do what Jesus did. So the Antichrist, he's on the scene. He's attempting to change the times and the law the antichrist will attempt to change the times of religious observances and traditions he, the antichrist is trying to he's he's trying to act like god and it's such a ridiculous thing for this man this antichrist to act like god but sometimes we do the same thing we we think we can inform god we think we know better than god So the Antichrist, he'll attempt to change the practices that characterize those who worship God and he will try to play God. He'll be in power for a season. He'll be in power for a season. And then that season will be up. Says for a time, times and a half a time, he will be in power. As we study prophecy of the scripture, especially in this context, a time just means a year. Times, plural, means two years and then a half a year. So for three and a half years, the Antichrist will be in power, wreaking havoc in the earth, trying to discourage people from knowing God and from following God. We know that he's in power for three and a half years because we read about it again in Revelation 13, verses five and six. And the beast, the Antichrist was given a mouth uttering haughty and blasphemous things haughty and blasphemous words, and it was allowed to exercise authority for 42 months. It opened its mouth to utter blasphemies against God, blaspheming his name and his dwelling, that is, those who dwell in heaven. We said last week that if you're not on God's team, then by default you are on the enemy's team. And you are part of the Antichrist. You're part of Satan, the Antichrist, and the false prophet, those who are leading people astray in the end times. And there have been Antichrists throughout history, always with the same goal to lead people astray. But in Daniel 7, what else does Daniel see? He sees what we're all going to see throughout the course of our lives. He sees God show up because. God always shows up. God always shows up in this life or the next. It says here in verse 26, but the court shall sit <clears throat> but the court shall sit in judgment and his the antichrist his dominion shall be taken away to be consumed and destroyed to the end. And the kingdom and the dominion and the greatness of the kingdom under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the most high. His kingdom shall be an everlasting kingdom and all dominions will serve and obey him. Right? So when will this happen? When will the kingdom and dominion be given to the saints of the most high? We will see this happen in the thousand year reign of Christ. The millennial reign of Christ will be given authority to reign and rule with Christ In the earth. We're going to unpack that more as we study Revelation, but we're going to have places of authority uh, helping to reign and rule with Jesus in the millennial reign of Christ in the earth for those thousand years. Back to Daniel 7, verse 28. Here is the end of the matter, Daniel said. As for me, Daniel, my thoughts greatly alarmed me, and my color changed, but I kept the matter in my heart. So God revealed this to Daniel and it shook him because he understood the gravity of it. He had a proper fear of the Lord. And so as he read what was going to be unfolding, he was humbled by it. And it, it says that his color changed. I don't know if he went pale, but something physically happened in Daniel. Are you on the right team? How do you get on the right team? You have to decide. Three points right now. Number one, you have to decide. Indecision is decision. So if you're here today and you've heard the gospel, you've heard that Jesus loves you, that he died for your sins, that he wants to welcome you into his kingdom, forgiving you, and wants to be the Lord of your life, Lord means leader, king. So he's not just wanting to give you fire insurance where you're saved and that's it, but he's wanting to be the Lord and the leader of your life. You have to decide. If you wanna be on his team, you have to decide. Indecision is decision. Number two, you have to abide. If you don't abide, you won't survive. That means you have to stay close to Jesus. You have to abide in him and allow him to abide in you. If you do not do that, you, you will not Last, you will drift in your, in your understanding, your conviction as a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ and you won't survive. Bad times will hit your life like they hit every person's life and you will wash out of the faith. You will not survive the experience if you refuse to abide. If you don't get up every morning and do what we're talking about, say, Lord, I submit my life to you. And no matter what comes, whether I understand it or not, I will follow you. Whether I... Whether I Like it or not, I choose to trust you because that's lordship. I'm trusting the Lord of my life. If you Don't abide, you won't survive. And number three, you have to revive. If your faith isn't active, your faith will fade. Some of you maybe have been in the faith for a long time and you need need something of your faith (laughs) revived. You need your faith revived. I mean, there's something, maybe you've allowed yourself to grow cold or distant from the Lord. Allow God to revive your faith. Remember what it was like when you first gave your life to Jesus, when you first... uh, Experience that first love with the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember, God can restore that and wants to restore that, reviving your faith so that you can abide and endure until the end. You have to decide. You have to abide and you have to revive. It's the only way we're going to make it. With that, let's go ahead and stand up and we're going to pray and invite the worship team up. Lord God, we, we need you, Lord. Thank you that you made a way, that you made salvation possible to us. Listen, if you're here today and you want to give your life to Jesus, I don't want you to come forward, but I do want you to raise your hand and look at me with everybody's eyes closed. Because I, I just, there's something about making that decision that you've got to make it public in some way. You've got to let somebody know. I'm not going to call you forward, but I'm going to uh, pray with you and we're going to pray together. All right. Who else? All right. Yeah, who else? Okay, good, who else? Okay, good, yeah. Yeah, who else? Who else? Yeah, I see that hand. Yeah, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now, if you've got your hand up and you're saying yes to Jesus, this is, this is how you get your start. You just say, Jesus, thank you, Lord. Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I've needed you my whole life. and I've been running or I've been blind. I haven't known. I haven't known, but now I know. And so, Lord, I give my life to you. I, I want you to lead me, to, to, to guide me, to direct me every single moment and every single day of my life. I need you, Jesus. I'm a sinner, God. Would you please forgive me my sins and my trespasses? Would you wash over me and make me brand new, make me as white as snow? Would you come into my life and be my my Lord and my Savior, my King, my Redeemer forever and ever? And listen, as you humbly just come before the Lord, as you declare your heart and your intentions and your desire to the Lord, as you say yes to Jesus, He says yes to you. He does. He says yes to you. It doesn't matter what you've done up to this point. He says yes to you. So I just want to encourage you that if you've made that declaration of your faith in Jesus that God has heard you. And listen, we're gonna be baptizing people at the beach this afternoon. And a baptism is just a public declaration of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. You're telling everybody, I don't know what I'm doing necessarily but I've given my life to Jesus. And I don't know what that's gonna look like as I walk forward, move forward, but I've given my life to Jesus. And you're declaring that publicly. And then the people of God are coming around you and they're gonna pray for you and support you and love you and walk with you as you serve Jesus. Maybe you're here today and you've not been abiding. You've, not, you've just been kind of cruising along showing up to church on Sunday, but you're not really abiding. You're not really checking in with the Lord. You're not allowing him to check in with you. You're not opening up the Bible and allowing it to inform your understanding. If you've not been abiding, I just wanna challenge you. Today, you can begin to abide. Welcome Jesus into your life and every decision, every activity. Welcome him into your life. Open up the word of God and watch God just fill you with grace and truth to live in a godly and wonderful way. If you need to be revived and you're here saying, man, I just feel dry in my bones. I just wanna pray over you that there would be a refreshing in Jesus' name. Sometimes that will come as we just forgive others, even as we have been forgiven. Maybe you're here today and you're holding on to something that's got you bitter and dried up spiritually. Can I just ask you to give that back to Jesus? Just to forgive it is a supernatural thing and decision, and, but I'm gonna ask you to just forgive those who are, you're holding captive in your heart and your mind, people that you hate, that you can't forgive, that you don't understand, I'm gonna ask you to forgive that person. And as you decide God will meet you and supernaturally, you'll have the grace to do that. And I, I promise you, I promise you, you, you'll be revived in your spirit. God will be able to do new and wonderful things as you just decide in Jesus' name, I'm forgiven that person. Maybe you've got in your life that you're just kind of hiding, and that you're not willing to give to the Lord, and that'll that'll dry you out quicker than anything. You're not meant to live your life that way. And there's freedom for you in Jesus. There's freedom in Jesus. So maybe you're here today and you just say, Lord, I, I you need to say to the Lord, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm tired of hiding in my sin. I don't want to do this anymore. Forgive me, Lord. I want to repent. I want to stop. You do that, and man, a revival will break out in your soul. You'll return to your first love and have new, new excitement for Jesus. And we need that excitement for Jesus. We need it, we, we, can, we, can, we can follow him when things are tough, but man, we, we need God to breathe life into us. So that will happen when you forgive people and ask God to forgive you. It's just the way it works supernatural. It's wonderful. It's worthwhile. So God, I pray for my friends here today. I pray that each of us would respond in some way if we need to, Lord, and that we'd be worshipers in spirit and in truth as we sing these last, these last lyrics. God, be glorified. God, we love you. We thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship.